greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the pod bay doors, Al. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. The price is wrong, bitch. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And on this week's episode of the podcast, I'm finally rejoined by my co-host after he survived the not-coronavirus. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was rough for a while. I mean, I lost my voice, so it doesn't really work for recording-wise. But I got it back, and I think I'll be good from now on out as long as we don't have any... Uh, rogue Chinaman coming over here it'll it'll be rough i know uh some people are taking it a little lightly at, at work today we have people coughing all over the place at work and i'm like please don't have it please don't have it you start wearing one of those masks <laughs> most likely but we're here we're healthy we're we're ready to record together again um now I know I announced, uh, at least on our Facebook page, since we now have a Facebook, if you are on there, you can go find us at Critics Not Cynics uh, podcast. Uh, I announced that we'll be talking about Avenue 5 and uh, The Outsider in Star Trek Picard, but Pat hasn't currently been watching any of those, and I know he hates Star Trek, so I'm never, (laughs) never going to get him to watch that. Uh, So that's going to be on a separate episode that will probably release about midweek for you guys, so keep your... (laughs) Keep your eyes open for that, and uh, don't listen to the other man behind the curtain who frowns upon anything Trek. Uh, so we're going to cover uh, three movies. One movie is one I've already covered on on the podcast, but uh, Pat just recently got a chance to watch it, and I want to kind of hear his thoughts on it. And then we're going to talk about uh, two other movies that, that we both really kind of enjoyed. Uh, so Pat's going to talk a little bit about Gags the Clown, and then we'll move into Time Trap, which is currently streaming on Netflix, and Code 8. So, Pat, you know, we already kind of know about the premise for Gags the Clown. Uh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that premise. Um, but, you know, I've already given my review. I think I landed on a 3.5 out of 5 on it. Uh, but what were your thoughts on the movie? So, I, I, there's you got the uh, you got the different kind of storylines that it follows throughout. And each kind of one has... I have my own take on each. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it intros with like the kind of showing gags, like just kind of standing around on the news and everyone's kind of freaking out about it. You got the, you got the little group of teenagers that are kind of going around scaring people. You got the, you got the news crew and you got the podcast guy. And I, you my, have the cops as well. And the cops. I don't really remember the cop storyline too well until the end. I yeah, do remember right. that. But so I, I think for, like, the kids' storyline, it, it was pretty good. Um, I think that acting-wise, 
they weren't bad. They weren't bad. They weren't. Let me let me ask you this: uh, What do you think of Sarah, the the girl out of the group? Out of the group, I, I don't really think she had a real role. She didn't have a role, and I thought she was. Uh, I thought she was too nagging. Like she was, she was supposed to be, but she overdid the nagging well, a little bit. It was bit. kind of a common theme throughout, right? <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, especially with the news crew. Oh yeah. So that was that was one. I, I I definitely think it was intentional, but she was just unbearable. The news. She the news lady. She didn't want the story. They take her off the story, and she's like, "No, I want the story." It's like. You got your wish. Just be happy and go home. Like, stop covering it. Ah, that that was frustrating to me. It's, but that's... Uh, it is what it is. It, it is. Um, I did like just the, the premise in general. Gags was... And I mean, they were kind of going off of the clown craze where people were dressing up as clowns and just going around scaring people. Following, you know, it and everything. Yeah, it's it's kind of that weird phenomena that went on. And for, like, a lower-budget movie, I, they made do with what they had. Yeah. Um, and then that opening scene where you don't you don't really know what it was until the end. I, yeah. I mentioned that, too. Yeah. You know. So the, the balloon yeah. being him and then blowing up, it's pretty crazy. Um, I, I don't really know what it was in the balloons that were making people kind of go crazy and self-mutilate. Uh, but it was yeah. I had that. I had that same kind of sense of confusion because, like, you have and and I realized as I was watching it the second time with with you and your fiance, um, that like I thought originally it was supposed to be something like bath salts because that's what the the partner cop is looking on his phone. But that's what he was just actually looking up. Like they didn't actually identify what the substance yeah. was. And what didn't make sense to me was kind of this mixture of something that was real world with something supernatural and i kind of the mixture of the themes gets overdone yeah a lot especially in horror movies kind of like i think they did it in friend request or something or what mixed it like with the original in the sequel yeah where it was like one was supernatural one was oh uh unfriended unfriended, unfriended. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 unfriended That's... dark web went more realistic versus the supernatural in the first one yeah that and and i i think that Mixing themes doesn't work well in horror. Right. Stick, stick to a theme, go with it. If it's a slasher, it's a slasher. If it's if it's supernatural, it's supernatural. Right. It, 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 not everything has to be Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, how great would that have been if they just showed up and unmasked gags at the end of the movie? <laughs> just hold man withers the entire time. I've gotten away with it. <laughs> but uh, another part, you got you got the podcast guy. Yeah. And. One one thing that always throws me off is noticing when things are obviously wrong with like military things in yeah. movies, and it well, kind of takes me out of it. Considering you were a marine, <laughs> regardless, like he's like, "Oh, I was a marine," and then he's like showing pictures in army uniforms. I'm like, uh, I wish that people knew what they were talking about, or like would put at least that one percent of effort. Well, to, like, I can at tell least you, get the uniform right. I would. I wouldn't have been able to tell one. One percent, like go to the right, the <laughs> right surplus store, pick out the right uniform, call it a day. You'll you'll be okay. <laughs> but it, he tries to be this macho guy, um, and then ends up uh, not being a macho guy. Right. He was like, what was he? A mech? Yeah, a he was. He was a mechanic. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, ends up 
getting killed by his partner, which that that part seemed extreme at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess he, I guess like, he had enough. Oh yeah, he's just some inbred yokel, and then bam, dead. <laughs> but yeah, and then you got that end scene where it's kind of like in a tent. Yeah, like a, uh, in, inside like that warehouse. Yeah, yeah, and you. You kind of see all the crazy people in there just kind of hanging out, and then they kind of close in on the cops, and that was pretty much it, and then you that, see the balloon. Right, yeah, that final sequence. Yeah, um, my my ba- main big issue was uh, kind of like there wasn't, there was a little bit backstory behind gags, a little bit, like you have that antique store guy kind of talking about, well, from 1974, there was this, 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 and there was a big fire, but then there's nothing else that kind of quite explains, like, one, why is he kind of converting these town people uh, into clowns? Like, why is he gathering them? Why is he taking, like, what seems to be revenge on the town? Like, it, it almost has a little bit of a Nightmare on Elm Street feel where, like, it was the parents who murdered Freddy and mm-hmm. it's Freddy coming back to take uh, his revenge on the kids. But you don't quite get that much of an explanation. Yeah, and they they really downplayed that scene. Yeah, but mainly because it worked for what the news crew lady was doing because she didn't care about the that story to begin with. Pixie whore. <laughs> that was a funny. That was a funny scene. But I wish that they would have shown like that that old guy at the end just be like, "All right, I'm getting out of here." Like, <laughs> that that would have been great. I I, I think. Because he does, like, mention that fire, and it's, like... And I think that where the fire was at is where, the like, those warehouses are located. So, um, just a little bit more exposition, I think, would have... It would have benefited a little bit more for that. Yeah, overall, overall, I, I enjoyed it. It Same. was an enjoyable movie, and I think there were, there were spots for improvement, but it didn't... There was nothing that ruined it. Right, right. Um, overall, I'd say three point five, just like you. Okay. I, I, it wasn't. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't. It wasn't shit. Right. So, <laughs> and it, it's one of those that you can just sit back, enjoy, and yeah. turn your brain off to. I mean, it's a short hour and a half. Uh, for found footage, I think it it stands out amongst like kind of the, the since there's a huge influx of found footage because everyone can shoot a found footage uh, movie on their cell phone nowadays that it kind of stands out amongst some of the other ones because it, it they put a lot of effort into it. You can see it. Like, the news stuff feels like an actual news thing. Um, in fact, uh, as I pointed out to you and, and Izzy, there was that nice little kind of shout-out like that they were talking about shooting a local horror I- film and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, it's like, oh, it's self-referential. And then what was the line uh, the one guy said, oh, is this some low-budget horror movie no one's ever going to see? Yeah. <laughs> and they were poking fun at yeah. themselves. So they had fun with it. Yeah, definitely. And and they did a good job of, like, having each each camera set have its own feel. Right. Like, the kids had their, like, camcorder cell phone or right. whatever it was. And each class had the news one pop-up that had a similar setup, and then the kids had their own one. Right. And then also with, like, the podcast, you can go to, like, Facebook Live and have all the answers and, you know, make them from, like, real footage growing up and then you have your own thing. Uh, So, yeah, I thought it was was very entertaining. I I think I'm still actually looking forward to watching it again this year.
the deep caves of remote Texas to locate a favorite archaeology professor who has gone missing while searching for the Fountain of Youth. In the course of their pursuit, the group unwittingly repels into a break in the space-time continuum where time passes much slower than on the surface. With no hope for rescue, they descend further into the cave and uncover the most coveted urban legend in history and find themselves in the crossfire for its control. Now, I'm going to let you do some of the talking here because I know I do en- enough talking for both of us sometimes. But you were the one that recommended this to me. And I had never really, I had seen it kind of on Netflix, but I was never like ready to take the urge to hit play. And uh, then you recommended it and I watched it and I was very pleasantly surprised. So why don't you go ahead and take over? So a lot of what kind of drew me to it was watching a trailer. Um, it was one that I, I was searching through and I probably watched 30 trailers that day and finally decided on this one. Um, so it starts off with, you get the professor going in, he's searching for these, he's kind of searching for the founding youth, but he's also searching for these hippies that went missing in the seventies. Right. And it happened to be this cave and they were searching for the founding youth too, cause they're hippies. <laughs> well, they had a, they had a legitimate reason though. <laughs> they were just hippies. They were it. But so he gets he's heading into the cave. And as he enters, he kind of sees like a guy in like old old west type clothing. And he's like kind of following him in. He's shouting towards him, but there's no response. And as he goes in, you start to see like it flashes. The the camera kind of turns to where it shows him in the outside of the cave. And on the outside of the cave you see, like, light just passing by, like, repeatedly, and you're like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you're introduced to this group of teenagers. And uh, college-age kids, because they're, like, in his college course. Yeah, okay, so it's college kids and then, like, one younger kid. Y- two younger kids, because yeah. you have the the girl brings her best friend. Yeah, true. Um, and, you know, they're, they're kind of, like, doing their typical college banter yeah um and just kind of wondering where this guy is and they make up an excuse to go they, i forget what the excuse was uh well they they had to use um so uh, i'm trying to remember the 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 guy's name uh taylor he, they use his not girlfriend but who he wants to date kind of girlfriend and she wants to date him to uh, yeah. a car or a cara um they want to use her dad's car because it's like an off off road type like SUV. And so like they give this excuse that they're going well for the kids. It's like they're taking them to this kind of like summer camp type thing. Mm -hmm. And it was just going to be like for a day or so. And then they would be back. And that was kind of their excuse for the younger ones. And then they were all just going to have fun for the college age kids. And uh, of course it was all to go and try to find the professor. Yeah. And the the cave like they they when they get to the cave like they find his vehicle and, right and then they kind of see the, his secondary rope and they think that's where he entered but it wasn't so they they start off going into a completely different route but the ropes are already broken because but they they assume that they're cut but they're not right. because they're it was basically time taking its toll on the ropes right um, which interesting concept, which I mean, also, it makes sense. It does. But it, you also have to take into account like how long that takes. Right. So you start to realize that time in the cave is 
significantly slower. Right. Um, and then let's see, we got them entering the cave, and as they enter, the one of the ropes is already like starting to break. Right. And so because they leave, they leave Furby, the the younger, the young boy. Uh, they leave him up there to kind of just be their person in case something goes wrong can you know help them get out and or possibly contact like the cops or something like that if there's an issue yep so they think that he's messing with them and they can't get the other rope in and then they get like the transmission over the radio yeah it's him but it kind of it was a little off-putting at first because it doesn't sound like him it sounds like him much older right but when they end up finding him He's still the same age. Yeah, you and still, I both kind of yeah, had that I, issue. I, I thought that it was going to be like him much older, like coming to back, back, but it was still him like a few days later. Right. And yeah, because they do. They do kind of like play through his videos and they see like because they think, of course, right now for them, time is moving normally. Mm-hmm. And uh, now when they try to climb back up to get out, the ropes break. Uh, Taylor injures his hand so he can't climb free climb. And uh, Jackie, the other uh, college student, T.A. or whatever they were, uh, she's kind of like hurt her leg. And so she can't free climb. Kara is not much of a climber, so she's not used to doing it without assistance. And then the uh, younger sister, Veeves, is in no way strong enough to be able to climb out on her own either. And um, so, like, yeah, they think Furby you know, messed with the ropes and then they kind of get that transmission and then they find his body and he's, he's dead, you know, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, <laughs> You're a little late on the spoiler. Alert. A little late, but, but I'm not spoiling at least what happens later on in the film. And if we get into like a real spoiler section, we will announce that more on. Um, but you know, that's when you start getting the idea that something is wrong with time because then they review his equipment. They see he had been out there for days. And in fact, we do get one interlude before they're kind of finding this all out where the professor actually does come out of the cave. Mm-hmm. He, he finds a car and it's all covered in, in grass and weeds. Uh, and he sees a backpack and it's Jackie's backpack. Um, which actually I think Jackie is his daughter, if I remember correctly, but I, I might be misremembering sure. that. But it's um, it's got the same stuff that her backpack that we see earlier on in the movie has. And so he's calling for them and then he ends up back in the cave. Um, and that's when you're starting to get the idea that, OK, something's going wrong with time. And they even send up Kara at one point because she's the only person that can actually climb. And we see these kind of flashing lights from where Furby fell. Mm hmm. And we don't know what that is. And then when she goes up there, uh, she sees like the terrain. Everything looks different. There's something up in the sky and she comes back down and she's been up there for like 30 minutes. And they're like, why didn't you go up? And, you know, you've only been up there for like a second. And they even play the comparison of the footage. Mm-hmm. And I think uh Plot wise, I'm not going to go into much more detail because that's when it starts getting more into spoiler territory of things that happen kind of further on in the movie. Um, But I I will have to say, like, acting wise, I thought everyone was pretty spot on. I thought they were all very distinct, strong characters. Personal motivations were all unique to each character. Furby, I didn't quite like, 
But you're that's kind of the point. You're not supposed to like him. Like he's supposed to be that annoying kid that, yep. you know, won't leave you alone or, or just is just annoying. Um, just wants friends. Right. And and I like the uh, I, I remember you telling me this because I like I'm like, I really like the professor. And you're like. Yeah, he ain't in there long. It's like, son of a bitch. Um, Now, of course, that plays out later on in the film. uh, But I, you know, for being pretty much kind of one location, they make good use of the space. The story doesn't feel kind of smothered in this. Uh, They don't it doesn't drag on too long. Uh, It takes itself serious enough without being like too serious that you're like, okay, come on. This is a time travel type movie like okay that's not that doesn't make sense and where my mind kind of gets really weird thinking about it is um when they kind of get attacked later on by something it's like well wait a minute so when did that thing enter the cave in relation to when they entered the cave is it in the perception of that like seconds or maybe an hour and you know, when it's been, of course, probably like a couple of thousand years, you know, and all that stuff. And it's it's really kind of if you keep thinking about it, your mind kind of goes nuts. But um, I don't think I have anything else to say about the film and until it starts getting into spoiler territory. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and just give my score. I'm going to land on like a four out of five on this. And I know when we get into spoiler territory, you and I are going to get into a little bit of a debate about how things kind of wrapped up a little bit with the film. But what 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 would you give a score? I I'd give it a three and a half. OK. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the non spoiler section, except for that one minor spoiler we already gave. Um, so if you don't want this movie spoiled, go ahead, check it out on Netflix uh, and then come back to us and, and uh, listen to the rest of the episode. We'll probably spend about maybe five ish minutes talking about the spoilers a little bit. So if you kind of want to jump ahead, if you realize we're still talking about it and you're not hearing us talking about Code 8, go ahead, skip a little bit further. All right, guys. So spoiler wise. Uh, we, we have them get attacked by what's pretty much like a, a Native American, but like more like Cro-Magnon type man. Yeah. So you're basically introduced to them a little bit after they discover Furby's body. Right. They're reviewing the tapes and on the tape, they notice that he wasn't dead when he fell. Right. And then something comes along and basically kills him. Yeah. And if you really think about it. In relation to when the cavemen entered, to when they entered, to when the thing beyond them entered, the you really got to think that the cavemen were probably only in there for, like, a couple hours before... Running into them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then th- a couple hours again, and then you get the kind of, like, alien-type guys. Right. So... It really felt like everything was jammed into, like, a really tight... Uh, Period of time, yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of where I kind of... You and I, this is where you and I disagree a little bit. I think it overextended on how much time was passing. passing. I I think if it were decades or decades, maybe, maybe a century. Yeah. Well, it would have been fine. Decades up to maybe a century, whereas for like how it ends up being, it's pretty much centuries. Oh, it was probably thousands of years. Yeah. And I, I personally wasn't my favorite part yeah but i i see why they did it i mean it i i thought it was fine i i would have done a, a few things a little bit differently at the end like i like your 
your idea. I think it would have worked well, too, had they done it that way. Like, it would have worked more also with the Furby thing, because that that part doesn't make sense, that when they hear him on the radio, he sounds like an old man. Mm -hmm. And then when they find his body, it's him as a young man, or, you know, his still at the same age when they left him. And I think it would have been maybe more clever had they done it where um, maybe... 30, 40 years had passed and, you know, he had gotten found uh, or managed to get back home and this always kind of hung heavy on his head mm -hmm. and he went back to go f try to see if he could still find their remains or something because he wouldn't have known about the time travel stuff. And then when they find his body, it would have been him as an old man and then they realize time has been passing differently. But as they realize it's actually every each like flash of light is a whole year and it's just bam, 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 bam. Uh, and I, I liked at least that they did give us explanation for like when the alien guy kind of shows up, it, it's, he's not really alien. He's just a human who has grown in space. And if you're a fan of the expanse or even just the books of the expanse, they kind of do the real world science with like how you're, if you're growing up in like a low G, uh, gravity environment, how your bones would kind of stretch and elongate and you would look and have a different appearance. Uh, so since like humans have been living in space because the earth became uh, inhabitable or uninhabitable um, due to some reason, we don't quite know. Uh, but they were able to kind of discover, like get a news feed of kind of the history of the earth since they disappeared. And they even get mentioned in that as well um, in that like, the modern human can't breathe the current air atmosphere uh, on Earth. And then we get the little bit of the Fountain of Youth stuff because we see Taylor die against uh, a caveman and the alien saves him. Of course, the alien still kind of dies as well. They do also. And I did like this concept and I don't, I don't know what you thought about it, but like that there were different layers of the rate of time slowing down. So the closer you get to the fountain, the the next layer is even slower. So even more time on their end is passing faster than what the people that are actually even in the cave are. Because when he finds the professor, the professor is already kind of, uh, well, no, he hasn't quite entered that layer yet because he sees his sister, mm -hmm. uh, and the caveman, but also conquistadors and everything, but they're all frozen from their perspective. And that's why he even says like, if you enter, you're not going to be able to get back yeah. out. Uh, and then, it I, I did like that idea that it was kind of layered throughout that cavern. Now, there's no explanation as to why this is all happening either. My I, I, I wish the ending had a little bit of a better wrap up mm -hmm. um, because like once they kind of get managed to get out, they're up in the, the arc or whatever it is in space. Uh, but when uh, Kara gets pulled up, you see these kind of long hands that do not look human at all. I mean, the, even the guy who came down still retains human features. These hands look inhuman altogether and they pull her up and then she manages to save everyone else. Um, but we never see the rest of that creature. So we don't yeah. see what the humans look like currently. And I would have liked a little bit more of an explanation, also an explanation of how they managed to set that up and how it was set up to transport from the cave to the ship or was that set of water just outside the cave and somehow that's linked to the ship or that they picked it up. You know, it, it, it doesn't quite fit 
you know, there's well, they not have that the, ladder. Yeah, I don't, I don't it, exactly just, know what was on the other side of the ladder. Yeah, either. it just kind of rushes a little bit through the end because I mean it wasn't trying to be too long. Uh, but I, I I didn't mind that so much that it jumped the centuries. Uh, it would have been interesting to see if they had only jumped maybe maybe at just 100 years or maybe 200 years rather than possibly 2,000 years. Yeah. And and to explain the uh, the time, yeah. like, uh, it's just time stuff. <laughs> it's uh, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, you, you get closer to the water, you can't get back. That's how it is. And uh, and it does have a very happy ending. I mean, like, when, when you get to the end of it, it is a very positive ending. Uh, everybody's kind of storylines are all wrapped up. Uh, so, I mean, you're not going to go into it and be kind of depressed or anything. So it's, it is kind of nice about that. And it's like a feel good. Ending. Yeah, it, it was, it, it did surprise me. It was because with Netflix and I think I've mentioned it here on the podcast before it's really hit or miss, especially when it comes to like sci-fi and horror, uh, what type you're going to get when you find it on there. And this one was pleasantly surprising. You know, it kind of felt like a, Maybe like a not a higher budget, but like a sci-fi movie that was actually done right. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that because like even if you go back, to, I, I the pre-asylum days for sci-fi channel oh, movies yeah. were even though they weren't great, there was at least like some fun with them, and not to say that like Sharknado isn't fun. Super it, fun. It's. It's annoying, but it is kind of fun. Uh, I mean, it's definitely one you're going to drink to and have fun with friends. And making fun review of it. on a podcast. Uh, probably. It's probably going to happen. If you're going to make me do Velocipaster, I'm sure Sharknado will happen. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely has that sci-fi movie feel where I've watched plenty of them. Uh, thankfully, a lot of them are on Prime right now. Uh, that, you know, yeah, it, it had the right amount of budget because I don't think any of these special effects looked too gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, by taking place in that cave, they were able to save a lot of money for those effects so that it, cause I even like the, the whole thing where it's showing the fountain and the conquistadors and every, and everybody kind of fighting, but frozen looks still really impressive for being a lower budget film. So I, I would totally agree with that. It would a sci-fi movie, but done with an actual budget. So yeah, it looks like it looks like a lot of their filming was done in Texas, right? So kind of like the same place where the descent was. Filmed. Yeah. So I mean, it's definitely one of those locations that people have used before. So right. It's just, and I guarantee Texas has better. Uh, filming laws than Cincinnati. Oh, certainly. Although Cincinnati's trying to get better about that. I I just saw that actually Bruce Willis is in Norwood right now. So I don't know exactly why. I mean, I'm sure it's shooting a movie, but, um, Oh God, it was somebody, I think that was, I think that was kind of the tagline. Come out to, to the Midwest, have a few laughs, something like that. You know, something stupid Cincinnatians would write. Oh yeah. And I can say that cause I'm a Cincinnatian. So. It just, it just sucks that we have such strict filming laws. Yeah. With the perfect location to film. Well, in fact, uh, um, the hall of justice. Oh, I know. And, and <laughs> well, and I think, um, with the filmmaker that did um, uh, Marauders, which I, I know critically wasn't really liked a whole lot, but I really enjoyed it. 
he loved shooting in Cincinnati. He loved using locations, even if he used locations wrong and you don't drive 4th Street down the way he drives down 4th Street for a scene. Um, it was really cool to see Cincinnati on the big screen. And, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of films. You got Rain Man. You got some stuff from Airborne. Um, Everyone cites Rain Man. And, and I, <laughs> I mean, and Marauders is like the next best thing that I know of a film, at least a recent film that has Cincinnati in in the foreground. So, um, yeah, let's hope we get more filmmakers. Actually, they were uh, shooting the Wrong Turn uh, remake, I think, here in Cincinnati. Not in Cincinnati, per se, but at least here in Ohio, because the... I know I that you're saying Kentucky. Uh, well, it would make page. sense in Kentucky. <laughs> I got us a little off page here. With it's locations. it's fine. Uh, hey, <laughs> it works. It's all good stuff. We're we're a film podcast. Uh, but I think uh, that will do it for our review of Time Trap. Uh, so now we're going to talk about Cody and we will play the trailer for that now. <laughs> I'm an electric. I'm wondering why a guy like you got in the van. We need to know who we're working with. My mom's sick. I need money. Okay. See what you can do. How good is that electric? Yeah. He's strong. There's no house strong yet. Light it. How do you want to live in this life? Let's go. Hide our powers. Everybody on the ground! If you see something that you want, take it. We're tracking this one electric across multiple crimes. Target online. Execute. Now you got mixed up with some bad people. Cross that line. There's no coming back. If I lose her, I got nothing left. We got another job coming up. You have one shot. It's the plan if the kid misses. I won't. He won't. So Code 8 is a 2019 film uh, that is the premise of a superpowered construction worker falls in with a group of criminals in order to raise the funds to help his mother. And um, Pat and I were both aware about this movie because we're obviously fans of of Arrow uh, and Stephen Amell. And um, we both know Robbie from having guest starred on The Flash and... Uh, kind of knowing also that he is related to Steven. They're, they're both cousins. Um, and they 
Pat, you were part of Knocking Point, and I think that that came up in some of their promotion stuff for Knocking Point was talking about Code 8. Uh, I know they talked about it on Facebook, uh, and they essentially crowdfunded this movie for the most part, from what I understand. I know that they put some of their own money into it, but uh, I think they went to Indiegogo and got the rest of it financed, and it was based off of a premise of a short film. Now, neither one of us have seen the short film, but I think we're going to, at some point, try to watch it. Um yeah. And it's got that interesting concept because like the this focuses on just a city, um, Lincoln City, and the pop some of the population there are super powered and the government doesn't quite like this. Now, there's no real explanation on how these powers developed, if they're like mutants a la X-Men or if it was government experimentation that kind of caused it kind of like if you look at how Black Lightning the TV show on CW is um, so they kind of keep them on on uh, tight leashes uh, Connor is played by uh, Robbie and he's just kind of trying to you know make money his mom is sick uh, she's also super powered but she's got some kind of debilitating illness that's going to end up killing her and he wants to get her the best care as possible. Um, and because of that kind of gets falls in with the wrong crowd, which is Garrett played by Steven. Um, and even like Garrett and his crew, they aren't really bad people. Um, you do have this other element too, about drugs that are made from the spinal fluid of superpowered people. And that's a part of the film that didn't quite work for me because that, it's it's important, but it goes nowhere by the end of the film. Um, so, you know, uh, Connor kind of falls in with the crowd. They meet the guy that's kind of the ringleader of everything. Uh, it's it's a pretty much a basic heist film with super powered people. Uh, you do have these guardians, which are robot uh, police drones, which I think and I think you agree, look uh, amazing for a film with a, a, uh, uh, Indiegogo type financing. Uh, I mean, cause they're practical looking. There's some CGI with some particular scenes, but they look real, but they don't look fake. You know, yeah, it, they didn't try to overdo it. Right. I think that's a lot of where CGI goes wrong is you do it too much and then it just looks terrible. Exactly. Exactly. So they look great every time they come on screen and, uh, and there are just some really great sequences. Uh, there's a you know good training montage when um, uh, Garrett is trying to get Connor to kind of reach a higher level with his electric powers, and he's got him light lighting up all these light bulbs and and stuff, and like kind of keeping them levitated too. Uh, and I mean, it's got some great action. It's got a good score, um, but the, the robots ahead. the robots kind of give you like the Sentinel feel. Yeah, from, yeah. From Marvel. So. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very much like it does have that X-Men type feel like they're there. It's not so much like everyone's racist towards like this powered people, but they're Power very racist. Well, maybe <laughs> they're but they're but they're scared of them because of what they can do. And then, of course, you've got this drug going around. That's it's like the opioid crisis right now mm-hmm. in real life. So it's it's grounded in some realism, per se. Um 
So there are a lot of themes that you can identify and go, this is real world stuff that they're commenting on without also being preachy either. It's yeah. it, it's at its point. It's to entertain people and tell a good story. And it succeeds on that. It's not trying to say drugs bad or anything like that. I mean, because well, bad. I mean, even with like <laughs> what Connor's doing, he's doing bad things. But he's got a good intent behind it. I mean, he's trying to take care of his mother who's taking care of him all on her own. And, uh, I mean, there's some gruesome, not gruesome scenes, but there's some graphic scenes like where you're just like, oh, shit, like that guy just got shot in the cheek and you're seeing the bullet leave his cheek type thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it gets more so kind of towards the end in the final confrontation uh, you know, it, it, it is a little kind of paint by numbers in, in some parts, uh, like, you know, somebody's going to get betrayed by somebody at some point and then they're going to get their revenge and everything like that. Um, because the, the initial betrayal, and this is where it doesn't quite track for me is, um, so the, the guy that's the ringleader is in deep with the drug runners, essentially. And so that's kind of where the betrayal comes into place later on in the movie. But then when it comes back to the drug dealers again, it was like, oh, here's what you wanted. We're all square. But they only have two scenes in the entire film, like this kind of mafia type character. It's like you don't understand his purpose. I don't know if it's something that if they manage to get a chance to do a sequel, they'll explore it further. Because I would like to see kind of more of Connor's story at the end of this, because it feels like now by the end of it, you're kind of getting more of a non-traditional superhero film um, that he's going to do more probably good than bad. But it's more still kind of on a morally gray line where it's like it's going to benefit him but he's not going to do things that necessarily hurt other people. And that goes along along with uh, Garrett's crew, too, as well. So um, I, I don't want to go into do too much detail about the plot or about the story, because I think it's best uh, you kind of go in this with just knowing about the trailer and the basic premise, because I, I think you and I, we, we watched it and we were just blown away by it. And all we knew was just kind of what we heard Stephen talk about and uh, the trailer. So I don't know. Is there anything else you want to kind of add about what you thought of the story or, or anything like that? Well, kind of, I'll kind of give an overview of what I thought. So uh, I'm not the biggest fan with, like, crowdfunding movies. But yeah. at the same time, I also enjoy crowdfunding movies. So I've, there, I've, there are <laughs> ones that can be done well and ones that are done poorly. And, and of course. And I, I think that this is one that was done fantastically. I... I enjoyed that it was kind of his take on, like, people getting powers. I think he had a lot of inspiration coming from his background, coming from the DC universe right. in, in acting, and then kind of taking it and twisting it into this heist movie. Right. And I, I liked his take on kind of how the... Just how the powers work and stuff. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, if you remember, the Insidious games... I think that kind of the powers were a little bit like that, but not not as infamous. Or yeah, infamous. I was gonna say, I was like insidious. Wait, <laughs> yes, the infamous and games. Words, <laughs> uh, infamous games. Yes, um, and I, you know, now that you mention that, yes, exactly. Uh, and maybe not to the extent of like people going on like power lines and stuff. Right. But I think that it was kind of 
uh, along the same lines. And, you know, there, there wasn't an explanation for how people got the powers, but, I mean... I, it worked. Right. You didn't really need it. It didn't it didn't bother me. Like it's something I would I would like, but not having it also doesn't upset me. Yeah. If we'll we'll go back and edit that in post where I've messed up. Oh no, it's staying in. <laughs> it's staying in. Um but overall, I think the only thing that bothers me, and I know that you already know this, it's they just look like brothers. Yeah. I know they're cousins, <laughs> but, like, you can't look at them and not be like, hey, they're definitely not related. They they have definitely very similar facial structures, like the way that their eyes are set and certain facial expressions, they do look like they're brothers. And their acting styles are yeah. almost the same. <laughs> I would say, like, Robbie's better at kind of doing softer characters and Steven is more because like of Arrow and everything is more of the gruff, uh, you know, kick your ass, kill you type c- characters. Because, uh, you know, it's just been over a short period of time that Steven has really become one of my, I guess, TV style uh, favorite actors. I mean, he was he was one of my favorite parts about the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequel because mm-hmm. uh, he, he did a great um um, I'm going to mess up on Hockey the name. Guy. Uh, yeah, uh, Jason, but I, I can't remember the last name of the character, Hockey but, guy. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he did a, a great job as that character and it was one of my favorite parts of it. And I thought he was kind of underused in that movie. Um, so when I first Casey Jones, Casey Jones Jason, <laughs> I'm thinking Jason cause of the hockey max. So you threw me off there. There's my insidious part. Um, We'll keep that all in. But uh, he, uh, you know, I saw him originally and I didn't know this until years later when I revisited the sequel to Screamers. He was in that. And when I revisited that movie, I was like, man, he really couldn't act. And then something happened between Screamers 2 and the first season of Arrow that he changed his demeanor or something or how he was doing his acting. And he kind of really drug me into the character of Oliver Queen, because I was a little upset that when Smallville ended and they announced Arrow, they weren't like carrying it over with Justin Hartley because I thought he was a pretty good Oliver Queen. He was. And and he was in in the context of Smallville. He was great for for that universe. But since they kind of did their own universe for uh, Arrow and everything, we had this different, more gruff, more like Batman than even Smallville's Green Arrow but it, it worked, and, and I really came to appreciate him as an actor, and I've, I've followed him, and he's turned into be like this, just a good guy in general with the stuff you see with the FU cancer stuff that he does and all the giveaways and charity, and uh, he just seems to be a genuine guy, and he loves his family, loves his wife and, and kids, and, and so I, I've... I've learned to really appreciate that about certain actors nowadays. Well, that and he he was so into the role. Yes. That like he's like genuinely upset that arrows. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, it it was very it's been a great show. It has been. I mean, (laughs) you and I both know some people who who hated it and thought it was awful. But like we've stuck through it. It hasn't always been good. I mean, it's had some bad. But any TV show has bad episodes or bad seasons from time to time. But that doesn't mean like he was bad every season or every episode. And I still yet to watch the finale. But I'm, I'm ready for it kind of 
sadly ready for it because I know of things that get introduced in this and I'm like, I hope they carry that on to the other shows because if they don't, I think it's a big wasted opportunity to just introduce it in a finale and be like, it's never addressed again. So, uh, in there <laughs> lost, uh, Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles season two. Uh, yeah, yeah. A few, few, few shows have done that type of thing. Um, so I think that's another, it might be kind of a bias then when we're talking about this film, cause we do both like Robbie and Steven a lot. And I think that regardless if the movie had been complete shit, we probably would have been like, yeah, we still kind of like it. But I think it's genuinely a really good movie. It's well paced. It's well structured. Uh, Again, being a crowdfunded movie, you could get a really bad one or a really good one. And I think that this is one that takes that crowdfunding money and puts it to good use. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think sometimes some people are just kind of taking advantage. Um, Vox day. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) no one is going to get that, that listens to this podcast, but, um, (laughs) you know, I, I, you can see that they put good use of the money. They put their own money into it because the effects are almost first rate. Like this movie, I think could have played in actual theaters, uh, if a major studio had been behind it for a widescreen release. So I, I hope that it gathers a fan base, I hope that uh, more people watch it and enjoy it, and maybe we get uh, a sequel at some point. So uh, for me, I think I'm going to land on a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, it's not quite there for me as being like a per- almost perfect, because, I mean, in reality, anything I even score as a 5, is there's something wrong with it somewhere, but it does everything for me that I want it to do, um, like Joker, you know. But... So the things that I kind of have issues with is just mainly that kind of mafia drug dealing thing, because it seems so important. It's introduced the beginning. They hit on it a lot, but it still kind of plays too low under the surface by the time you get to the end of the movie. Yeah, the end of the movie, it didn't really matter. Right. And I I think that in combination with them booking it like brothers, uh, it's going (laughs) to land me on a 4.5 out of 5 as well. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think that's going to do it for us now. I know, um, it is not currently streaming for free on any service, but you can rent it on Amazon. You can rent it on voodoo. I highly recommend it. Even if you rent it, uh, I don't think it's going to cost much. Uh, it might be 699. I know I bought it on, on a sales for 999, but I, I have to recommend it either buy it or rent it. Give it a shot. I mean, I'm sure there's something, especially if you're a superhero film type fan, there's going to be some things that you're going to like about this movie. Yeah, you're going to find similarities to something like X-Men or anything like that. But most stuff is derivative of other things anyways. I think this puts a good enough spin on this on the story to be its own. And it stands on its own two legs. So. Uh, go check it out, and we are going to wrap up now, and we now have a Facebook page. Uh, so if you're uh, on Facebook and you're not following us on Twitter, go ahead and hop on over to the Critics Not Cynics podcast Facebook page and drop us a like and follow, and uh, you can always leave us a review on there. We're trying to grow our audience, obviously. Um, and if you're not following us on Twitter, you can follow us at Critics NT Cynics at and then you can also write to to us in the podcast at criticsnotcynics at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on uh, Podbean, Apple iTunes Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, 
anywhere basically where you can get a podcast uh, you can get get this podcast on and uh, if you're be nice leave us a rating and review on itunes if you're following us on there Uh, it helps us get kind of spread around and word of mouth always helps as well um and we'll have a special episode dropping it'll be just a solo one for me uh later this week uh, since i'll be focusing on the tv shows i've watched and keep that kind of more focused on on just those instead of some other things and we might be doing that a little bit more often with some tv shows that i watch or if, if even if there's some that pat watches that i don't watch and he wants to review on his own Oof, I don't <laughs> know <about> that. <laughs> hey you're good at talking um so i think that'll do it for us uh this week so we'll see you guys uh next time